Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. Man, we had quite a weekend in Mississippi State sports. We did a lot to still talk about. You know, we had a great weekend of baseball, and listen, there's still men's basketball left to be played. And we didn't have a great showing on on Friday, I guess it was, but uh, we're going to have an opportunity to continue to play. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where Mississippi State should be in the polls for baseball. We're going to talk about the week ahead. There's a lot to feel good about right now, and there is a lot to build upon. And it really feels like the Diamond Dogs are beginning to kind of round themselves into SEC form. What I mean by that is, as you guys know, you remember a couple years ago, we made the move, moving Justin Foscu from third to second. Things began to gel defensively. We've now made the move to insert... Lane Forsyth in the lineup at shortstop and the nine-hole hitter. He has been very productive as a hitter, much more so than I think most of us expected. But he's also solidified the defense. Wrote an article on Gene's page on Sunday. Since Lane Forsyth was inserted into the defensive lineup, Mississippi State has made just two errors. You say, well, Steve, two's too many. And I agree. Only one of those has been on the infield, and that was in Lane Forsyth's first ball game kind of a tough luck call it was in the no hitter game and just had a ball take a bad hop on him and uh, can't come off his wrist and then on Sunday uh, Rowdy Jordan kind of lost a line drive there in the sun a little bit and it bounced off his glove but uh, none of those errors have come back to hurt Mississippi State and so that was the big concern here uh, the last few weeks is that you know defensively we weren't playing exceptionally well that appears to be corrected for a week now we've played 
pretty much errorless baseball on the infield. And then the concerns heading into the weekend were about Christian McLeod and about Eric Sarantola. Well, both of them have their best starts of the year. And then Will Bednar goes out there on Sunday and has uh, three innings and is exceptional. And so you've addressed the defensive issues. You've addressed the deficiencies with the weekend starting rotation. And so now it appears that we are playing our best baseball of the young season. So, again, a lot to feel good about. And, of course, uh, if you saw Abdul Adu's comments, if you hadn't, I encourage you to go find them. They're out there everywhere. Very emotional guy. Just talks about Mississippi State and what it's meant to him. He's got his college degree. And all the, all the great things that have gone on here for him. What an experience it's been. And as frustrating as this basketball season has been at times. You know, my hope is, is a Bulldog family, let's put all that behind us for now. And let's focus on this NIT. And, you know, there were a lot of people that thought, you know what, we, we were done. We didn't get a chance to play. But if you see those comments from Will Do Will Do, and you realize what Mississippi State has meant to him and his family, you want to get another W at least. You want to pull another one off. And I think we certainly can. You know, we'll preview that game a little bit later in the week. But, um, you know, we're still playing men's basketball. So we'll talk a little bit about the tournament for the men and then the women's selection show is on monday later today on the bubble for sure could be the last team in could be the first team out that's how close it is so we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show i want to thank our good friends at bulldog burger company for what they do to allow me to bring you the show great people great food great prices i'm going to encourage you if you hadn't done so go by and check them out they are the kind of folks too that do such a good job with feeding people you know, it, it's a dining experience that is truly unique. And uh, they're part of a great family of restaurants that, that kind of understands what it means to feed a lot of people on game day, right? I mean, those are the things you look at and say, you know what, a lot of times, Steve, we only get up there when it's time, you know, for a ball game. They completely understand your needs, and they're prepared to take care of them. I was a big fan of Bulldog Burger Company long before uh, they sponsored the show. You know, uh, you know, Brian and I went by there and ate regularly, and then one day we just kind of had a sit-down meeting. And they wanted to be part of Boneyard, and uh, I was happy to have them with us. And uh, listen, there are some new items on the menu. Let me encourage you to go by and check those things out, because if you're a, a Bulldog Burger Company regular, maybe you haven't tried these yet. Maybe you're, maybe you found your favorites and say, "Hey, Steve, I know exactly what I'm going to order when I get there." Let me give you some other things to consider. They've been running these things as specials, but uh, now they are going to be permanent fixtures on the menu. And uh, let me run these down for you just because it is very exciting. I haven't had them all, I'll be honest with you. But uh, I, I will do some reconnaissance and some research for all of you guys so I can speak intelligently about these new products. The uh, the Grilled Chicken Club, that is the real deal right there, okay? I mean, it's... Uh, you know, there are a lot of people that, that put sandwiches together, and they're just a sandwich. This is a meal. Grilled Chicken Club there, eleven ninety five. It seems like you're stealing the sandwich. And then there's the tuna burger. That's the ahi tuna burger. Go by and check that out. And then full of bologna, that's one of the new burgers. If you're looking to really kind of pack some protein into your diet, that's the one to go with. Six-ounce six burger patty topped with fried bologna, cheddar, bacon, green tomato chow chow, truffled mayo, crispy onions, and the fried egg. That is an awful lot of protein. So go by, check them out. Bulldog Burger Company, two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. 
All right, it was a memorable weekend in baseball. You might not have noticed this, but uh, Mississippi State allowed just two runs on the weekend, both of them of the solo home run variety. We get our scoreless streak record up to, what, 39 innings? And then we, we give up a solo bomb uh, to them on Saturday, which kind of, I guess, removed the possibility, of course, of us extending the streak and uh, you know, putting together a, uh, a fifth shutout. But that does not diminish the efforts of this pitching staff, which has been absolutely outstanding as of late. And some would say, well, you know, well, Steve, uh, they're not really played anybody. Well, we're about to. And, you know, it's like when uh, you know, Tulane has a winning record, Southern Miss has a winning record. You know, so, you know, spare me all that. And Eastern Michigan had a winning record before they got to Starkville. So let's quick take a quick look at the weekend. Uh, Friday, of course, an absolute bloodbath. And to be honest with you, I expected more of these games to be of that variety. And I don't think that is an indictment on Mississippi State. I think Eastern Michigan got absolutely embarrassed on Friday. And they just felt like, you know what, we got to turn this thing around. They came out and competed much harder on, on Saturday. 3,526 people attend the ballgame on Friday night. One of the better crowds. We're still not right where we want to be, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have decided, you know what, I'm going to take my time with all this. And that's okay. You know, you, you come at your own pace. It's going to be SEC weekend next time we get together uh, on the weekend. It's going to be Arkansas. But, uh, you know, Christian McLeod, the big, the big cloud around him was, uh, you know, he hadn't been able to get through the order a second time. I thought his body language was completely different on Friday. I thought he looked and acted like a different pitcher. And it showed. He was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, strikes out the side there in the first. And, uh, you know, we don't do much ourselves, but we go right back out the second inning. And there's Christian McLeod again, striking out the side. Not a single count went above 1-2. Not a two or three ball count there in the second inning. You know, the only guy that, uh, that had a, a three ball count, I guess, was a leadoff hitter in the first inning. Uh, so second second inning, we finally get breakthrough there. We get a run scored, and uh, all got started with the Cam James double. He absolutely turned on the ball, uh, ripped it down the line on a three one count, and then we you know we manufacture the run from there. You know Hancock you know hits a sack fly. We get the runner over, and then uh, Logan Tanner has an infield hit. Cam James scores, and it's a one nothing ball game. So you give one run. To Christian McLeod, and he goes back out, and he looks like 2020 McLeod. Goes back in the third inning, and uh, again, nobody gets above a two-ball count. 0-2, 2-2, 2-2, strikes out uh, two of the three hitters. So eight of the first nine hitters that Christian McLeod faced, he struck out. That's kind of become our calling card. You get in that batter's box, chances are you're not going to you know, get out of there with a hit or even put the ball in play. Third inning state really kind of gets this thing going. Uh, Forsyth, we talked about him earlier in the show. He gets the rally started on a full count, uh, pulls the ball into left field, and then Scott DeBrule singles up the middle. We get runners on the corners, and then DeBrule takes second. Very, very active on the bass paces, base pass this weekend. Pardon me. Rowdy Jordan gets there on an error. This is one of those crazy plays, too. And, and I saw a lot of people, you know, and I say this all the time. Um, there are a lot of people that love baseball that don't know baseball. If you have ever coached baseball or if you have ever played baseball, you understand the, the third base, first base coach is going to tell you this. And this goes all the way back to travel team ball, little league ball, whatever. 
if you're on, on base, here's what we're going to do. Right? We're going to go on a ground ball. We're going to freeze on a line drive. We're going halfway. Or we're going to tag on a fly ball. So there is a sinking line drive hit basically at the feet of the second baseman. It's not a ground ball. It's to the right side there. So I thought we did a good job holding at third with foresight. And then DeBrule kind of runs him up the backside. And then Rowdy doesn't take second. And so your veteran guys are the guys that kind of made the mistake there. Now, DeBrule's got to read the guy in front of him. And you, you know as well as I do, uh, Cheeseboro's right in the ear of Forsyth third. And so that's the lead guy there. We make a mistake there, kind of run ourselves out of a run. We do get Forsyth in when uh, Tanner Allen rips a ball down the right field line, drives him in to make it 2 nothing, And then uh, Cam James, a ball to the right side. We drive in uh, – excuse me, we move the runners there. And then Rowdy scores, makes it a 3 nothing game. Luke Hancock then drills one down the line on the first pitch. It's a 4 nothing ball game, and it really felt like at that point the game was over, the way we were playing. It really felt like we were in good shape. I mean, we were kind of holding our breath a little bit, I guess, because we're about to go the second time through the order, but we just kind of felt like, you know, what a 4 nothing lead in the early returns on Christian McLeod in this outing. We thought, you know what, we're in pretty good shape. So it's a 4 nothing ball game. <clears throat> so we – we get right back out there on the field and um, give up a single, and it was a check swing deal. You know, just kind of the ball finding the bat, and it drifts in the right field. Then we get a K, we get a wild pitch, runner goes to second, and then we get a ground out, a walk, and a ground out. So not so dominant from a K standpoint, but again, we get out of there unscathed with the four-run lead still intact. We don't tack on in the fourth, and we go back out in the pit with Christian, and it's a K-swinging, K-swinging, and then a line out to the shortstop. And it was really a soft liner, so it was really soft contact there. Tremendous, tremendous effort from Christian McLeod, what we expected to see from him. And then State, of course, extends the lead there in the fifth. Rowdy Jordan opens up with a double. Tanner Allen singles back up the box. Uh, we get a fly out from Cam. And then Luke Hancock walks. Uh, you know, Roddy Jordan had already scored and he makes it a 5 nothing ball game. Tanner Allen then grounds to the shortstop, drives in another run, makes it six. And then Josh Hatcher doubles back up the middle, driving in Hancock. It's a 7 nothing ball game. And at this point, the game was decided. It was just simply a matter of what the final score was going to be. Brennan Smith comes in to pitch the sixth. Strikeout swing and strikeout looking and a weak ground out, out to second. Uh, bottom of the sixth, we tack on another run. On the Cam James sack fly to center, drives in Forsyth, who again started the rally with leadoff hit a double uh, to kind of get things rolling. And again, now it's an eight nothing ball game. Uh, we bring Riley Self in for the seventh. We get a ground out, we get a single down the line, and a, and a single through the left side. A lot of people were worried about our scoreless streak at this point, and Riley responds with back to back K's to put us back in the dugout. Bottom of seven. We didn't do much. We got some things going, had some, um, you know, had some defensive substitutions, put some guys in, threatened a little bit, but uh, just couldn't get it together. And so we get to the top of eight. We bring in Parker Sinet and that gr- glorious hair and that hammer curveball, and he absolutely goes out and dominates. 
strikeout swing and strikeout swing and strikeout swing and nobody gets above a two-ball count. And many of those balls out of the zone were purposeful. You know, you get ahead in the count and uh, get up 0-2 or whatever, 1-2, and you're trying to get them a chase. They don't. But he absolutely made them look silly. (laughs) Absolutely crazy. And then the wheels absolutely come off in the bottom of eight. I'm not going to recap the whole inning. But uh, we put up six runs in the inning to make it 14-0. And then uh, bring out Spencer Price, and some wondered, well, why would we bring him out? Well, I mean, he needs to get some work. He needs to get some work. And so he comes out, gets an inning, uh, gets a ground out to first, ground out to short, and then a fly out, and the game is over. And that's your win. It's a 14-0 game, and I think a lot of people felt like, you know what, it's about as well as we can play. Uh, 14 runs on 14 hits. They did walk in some. We give up no runs, three hits, which gives us our fourth straight shutout and you look back Christian McLeod five innings of work allowed just the one hit and uh you know just an absolutely encouraging effort from him I think everybody looked at that and said you know what this is exactly what we needed to see from him and so now all of a sudden you start thinking I'm excited about what is to come when we get down there and play LSU kind of running the numbers down for you here real quick uh, Scotty DeBrule picks up a hit. Rowdy Jordan with one. Tanner Allen, two for four. Cam James, two for four. Drove in three runs there. Luke Hancock, one for two. He's doing a good job working the count, letting them walk him. Uh, Logan Tanner, one for three. Josh Hatcher, one for three. Brad Cumbus got in the game, also one of one. Uh, Lane Forsyth, the guy we talked about, everybody, the guy that said he couldn't hit, three for four with two runs scored. Great job for sure. Uh, look at pitching numbers here. Christian McLeod, five innings pitched, just the one hit, 11 Ks against one walk. Incredible, incredible effort on 72 pitches. You So you know he could have gone another inning. Brandon Smith gives you an inning. Uh, no runs, no hits, two Ks. I mentioned Riley Self. Uh, just the one inning pitch, give up a couple of hits, got himself out of some trouble there. Parker Stinnett, outstanding three Ks in his one inning. And Spencer Price pitching the contact there, having him hit that slider. And, uh, you know, it's, you know it's, it's, a, it's an easy ball game. And we needed a game like that. You know, we had that – we've had some games the, the past, you know, week or so we felt like that we were in charge of and never really felt threatened. But we needed a game to kind of get some guys in to get some ABs. And that's exactly what we got in this ball game. Now, Saturday, a much, much, much different deal. And, uh, you know – the numbers on Justin Mize before this ball game were very, very pedestrian. I never saw this, this performance coming from him. Absolutely did not. And, you know, Eric Sarantolo, we know what's happened with him in the past. He, there's some times that he'll get himself in some first inning trouble. That's exactly what happened. Hit by pitch, and then we ground into, they ground into a double play there. And so it's like, okay, let's relax a little bit. And what do we do? We hit the next guy with a pitch. We get a ground out. And so while we didn't have anything significant happen negative that, that inning, it was not necessarily inspiring a lot of confidence in the Bulldog fan base. We don't do anything in the first, but then Sarantola comes out and has a really clean sheet there in the second. We get a K-swing and then a couple of ground outs. And we started to feel okay. Like, okay, it's a little bit shaky, but it was better than the first. He began to kind of locate his breaking ball a lot better. Uh, we get in a second, we don't do much, and then Sarantola goes out in the top of three and gets three punch outs, all three of them looking. That's when you know that he is on his game. You know, you know that he can overpower people with the fastball, but when he gets guys looking, two of those on 0-2, uh, 
uh, it's just incredible. They're expecting a, a waste pitch, and he's able to get one that they don't offer at, but still in his own. Great effort from him. We don't do anything in the third, and then we go out there, we get to fly out to open the fourth, and then there's the solo home run from uh, the shortstop, uh, Taylor Hopkins. You know, just one of those where the ball finds the bat. You know, it's like Sarantola had been doing really well, and you want to challenge hitters, and we get a ball up, and, and we're done. And um, then we get a couple outs ahead to review one. But it's a one at the ball game, and I think everybody said, okay, well, the scoreless streak is behind us. It stops at 39. We set a new record. Let's just kind of move forward. And the way that Eric kind of stresses himself at times, I think it almost should have relaxed him, and maybe it did. Uh, we don't do anything in the fourth, and then we come back with Sarantola, and then he gets to the fifth with a K look and a fly out and a line out to short, and again, that was really soft contact. And so – there have been times when Eric has kind of worked himself into some trouble and not been able to work himself out, but he really settled down. I don't think he got rattled after the solo home run. Bottom of five, we come in, we don't do anything. We, we get a guy on a hit by pitch, and then we hit into a double play. You know, it's just one of those things that uh, we just struggle to get, you know, the big hit. And Justin Myers did a great job on that sinker. You know, we're thinking fastball. We couldn't adjust to it, so we're hitting top after baseball and beating the ball on the ground. It's a pitcher's dream. So, Eastern Michigan uh, gets to see Preston Johnson, and Preston comes in uh, in relief of, of Sarantola, again, who went five innings and just allowed the one run. Just not much going on with him. Uh, so, again, the better start for Sarantola. And so, again, you begin to think, okay, our two biggest concerns at this point were Christian McLeod and Sarantola. Will they answer the bell? So, Preston Johnson comes in, gets a K, and then a walk, and then we get a ground out and a fly out. Uh, we bring in Cam Tuller to, uh, to kind of match up lefty-lefty against Hopkins, and we get, uh, get the out. Bottom of six, you know, it seemed like everything we did with, you know, with, with two outs or so. You know, we get a couple outs, and then Tanner Allen gets a single to kind of break up the no-hit bid there, and then Cam James strikes out. And it just kind of really felt like, you know what, if we just got to hang in here, maybe something big will happen, and eventually it does. Top of seven. We bring in Carlisle Kessler, and uh, he has been outstanding for us. I don't know that he gets enough credit for the work that he has done. I, I like to call him Father Time because I think he's been playing college ball as long as Dak Prescott uh, has been around. But uh, but he comes in and, and uh, you know, gives up an infield hit, but pitches around that in his first inning. We get into the seventh ourselves. We reach on a throwing error, get a leadoff base runner, and um, we just can't do anything with it. We, and, I, and those are the things you look at over the course of a ball game, you know, getting that timely hit. And that was kind of the story of the day. I mean, you know, Justin Mize had us really off balance. And when we could get guys on base, we couldn't move them around. So we get into the eighth. Kessler does a great job of one, two, three inning. We come back in the eighth. We start to run out of outs. We do nothing. We're putting the ball in play. And I really thought here, headed into the ninth, that they would make a change. Kessler, of course, gets some one, two, three. And um, and so we're, we've got a chance. And and you know as well as I do, you guys have watched enough baseball to kind of, you know, realize what I'm about to say here. But when the closer's been warming for a couple of innings, you probably turn to Mize and say, listen, you got one hitter. Okay, you got one hitter. Anybody gets on in a one-at-the ball game, we got to pull you and bring in the closer. That's good baseball. That's what anybody would do. Well, Tanner Allen takes the first pitch and just rocks it right back up the middle for a leadoff base runner. They leave him in, and then he gets ahead of Cam James 0-2, and a breaking ball gets away from him, and he hits him. 
And so now I'm thinking, surely they're going to go ahead and pull him. They don't. They don't. So you got a guy that's tiring, a guy that's elevating the pitch. He's not able to execute the breaking ball. They leave him in, and it really cost him. Hancock rips that ball in the right field. Allen scores. Cam James stops at third. And I'll be honest with you, you know, the old baseball coach and me, I'm thinking, let's go ahead and send the runner. Uh, Cheese doesn't do it. Probably the right call there in that situation because it leaves runners on first and third. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we hadn't done a good job putting the ball in play here. So let's take our chances. But uh, it worked out well for us because they finally bring in Cam Wagner, their closer, in the very first pitch that he throws, Tanner. Uh, Logan Tanner hits it uh, into left center for a three-run walk-off homer. Anything would have done there. A routine fly ball to left wins a ball game, but how great is it to walk it off? I had a chance to speak to Justin Mize today as I was leaving. Uh, leaving Duty Noble, and there's, they're out there having their meal, and there's Scott Weatherby, former Mississippi State Associate Athletic Director Scott Weatherby, a chance to visit with Scott and his daughter. It's good to see them back in town. And uh, – I said, hey, man, do you mind if I speak to Justin? And uh, he came over, and I I wanted to share a couple things with you guys that I think are important. Uh, He saw your comments on social media, and there were so many of you that went to the Eastern Michigan uh, Twitter account and complimented Justin for his play. And that's one of the things that I was so proud of is he leaves the field to a standing ovation on the road because our people know baseball, you know, we respect the game of baseball, and we recognize a great effort. And so this guy deserved a better fate than he got. He pitched well enough to win. I think the coaches stayed with him too long, and we made him pay. But the kid says, hey, Mississippi State people are the best, the absolute best. Said it was a great experience down here and said, yeah, they'd love to have won a couple ball games, but uh, he walked away here from here feeling good about Mississippi State. And that's the things that excite me is because that's who we are. Now, I want to share with you, too, because I want to be even-handed in all this. I had some people tell me today that as the Eastern Michigan parents were leaving the ball game on Saturday after we walked them off, we had a couple people that maybe had had uh, some adult beverages that had a few derogatory things to say. Uh, that's not who we are. Now, I don't want to speak for everybody about most topics, but when it comes to this kind of stuff, I am going to speak authoritatively whether you agree with me or not. Uh, when you put on that M over S hat and you put on maroon and white and you go over there and try to intimidate and talk trash to fans from Eastern Michigan, a team that we expected to sweep, and I understand it's an emotional situation and you're excited because of the fact that we kind of pulled one out of the jaws of death there, but that's not who we are. We are the people that go on Twitter and say, hey, great effort, best of luck, thanks for coming, because we can beat your butt and smile on your face. We don't have to go out there and talk a bunch of trash. We don't have to go out there and tweet some meme to some non-conference opponent's official account to feel good about ourselves. That's not who we are. And so I'm just going to share that because I don't, I don't defend that. I don't respect that in any way. Uh, when people come, they're our guests. And listen, it's one th- it'd be one thing if it was an old Miss deal. I mean, right? Because there's a lot of bitterness and, you know, there's a lot of built-up hostility that has happened in our lifetimes. And, you know, we don't like each other. And, that's, and it's okay not to like each other. But these Eastern Michigan people have never done anything to us. We won the ball game. So why did we feel the need for a few people? And it was just a few people. Why did we feel the need for a few people to get out there and be, you know, kind of boorish in their behavior? And so the Mississippi State that I know, 
the Mississippi State people that have put together a tremendous baseball program for over 130 years, uh, those are the people that went and got on Twitter and commended this young man for his effort. Uh, those of you that have a little bit too much Ole Miss in your family, uh, you're the ones that went and talked trash to those, those parents that drove all the way down here from eastern Michigan uh, to come support their kids. Uh, and so I just wanted to make sure let's get that out there because uh, I, I think we need to behave after we win ball games, win or lose, I guess, really, uh, as, as the better people. And, and I, I mean that as, as honestly as I can say it. We need to make sure that we are doing the right things and uh, talking trash to baseball parents after a ball game that we should have that we should have won and we expected to win. Uh, that's not indicative of our values as a program. So we don't get the shutout, but we get the win. We extend the winning streak, and that's what matters most. I mean, it's cool to see records and you know, 39 innings scoreless. It's incredible. I don't think it's our last scoreless streak. If you know what I'm saying, I think I don't know if we get 39 again this year, but. Uh, why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20 minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do, I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, we've got such a dominant pitching staff. We've got a great opportunity to do some things. And so uh, kind of looking at some numbers are again here from uh, from game two. You know, look at this box score here. Man, the game was over in two hours and 20 minutes. Uh, so, not much to, to report on offensively for Mississippi State. Tanner Allen, of course, two for four, a couple big hits for him. Luke Hancock, of course, a big hit late, and Logan Tanner. We get four hits on the day, and three of them come in the ninth inning. 
ridiculous. Uh, and so we get into pitching here. We get into the bullpen. Preston Johnson goes two-thirds of an inning, uh, a walk and a strikeout. I skipped through Sarantola there, and I apologize. Uh, five innings pitched, the one hit, just a solo home run there. Five Ks, no walks. He did have the two HPPs. Um, Cam Tuller comes in and, and matches up and gets an out for us. And then Carlisle Kessler gets the win after going um, three innings of one-hit relief. That changeup he has is pretty ridiculous. So we get through that, and now we're going for the sweep on Sunday. And I think at this point we all felt like it was academic and we had already won in two different ways. It was just a matter of getting the win. And I really thought, honestly, I thought we would probably hit the ball a little bit better today than we did just because I thought they were out of pitching. And, uh, you know, they did a pretty good job managing the game. We got to them early and kind of put some things on them that gave them, uh, you know, some doubt pretty early on to kind of make them understand that uh, we were not just happy to win the series. We wanted to win every game. But it was nice to put up some runs early and kind of give Fristo a little room to, to maneuver there. Uh, and I thought, listen, I didn't think he was especially sharp today, but he was competitive. You know, when he, when he wasn't executing pitches, he'd get behind the count. He still had enough life on that fastball uh, to kind of keep those guys at bay. And he got a lot of pop-ups. And that tells me, you know, you're getting a lot of run into the hands of the hitter. You're jamming them and kind of getting that weak contact. And so uh, we, we opened up there, and um, we gave up a two-out walk. And I guess we gave up two hits in the first inning. Yeah, we sure did. We get a ground out, a single through, and then a K swinging, and then a walk. It looks like we're in a little bit of trouble there, and then we get the pop-up. So we get out of the first unscathed, despite the fact that we give up a couple base runners. We don't do much there in the first. You know, Rowdy Jordan's hit by the pitch, and we just can't seem to do much with it. They hit two guys in the inning, and we don't make them pay. And so it's kind of like the Sarantola thing. You know, we, we, we pitched ourselves into trouble, and then they weren't able to capitalize. That we They kind of did the same thing to us on Sunday and then we go out and we walk a guy to open the second but then we get a K look and a fly out and then a ground out to get out of it and so again not necessarily punching a lot of guys out but we're pitching the contact there and we're making plays behind them we get to the bottom of second and we get three runs in uh, the big blow Scotty DeBrule right there uh, with a basis clearing double to give us a three nothing lead and how it all kind of came together is we started putting some things together you know, Logan Tanner with a single, Josh Hatcher with a single. And listen, when we're starting to get that kind of production but down in the order, that's, that bodes well for the rest of us. Um, McGowan did not execute the bunt, popped it up right to third base. That was disappointing, really the most disappointing part of the inning. Uh, but Drew's a good player, and he'll, and he'll bounce back from that. He'll be better for that. Uh, Forsyth gets on a fielder's choice, and they call Hatcher out at second. And it looked like initially that there was some footwork that probably worked to their advantage. When they reviewed it, he, he never had the ball in contact with second base. So they put him on, and then DeBrule with the big hit there uh, makes it a 3 nothing ball game. And it just kind of felt like, you know what, you kind of saw the wind go out of their sails. They get a pop-up to first, and then Catella, the DH, comes right back, and homers, he gets him back in the ball game, kind of puts some life in the dugout. We kind of pitch around that. We get into the bottom of third. We get that run right back. With two outs in the third, Logan Tanner with a second home run in as many days makes it a 4-1 ball game. We send Fristo back out there, and, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's two quick outs, and then we give up a single, and then uh, we retire Timko, who tried to bunt foul. I, I still don't quite understand what the thinking was there. 
We're not able to do much in the fourth, even though we did get some guys on base. We had a couple runners on and just simply just couldn't, couldn't move those guys around. And, again, we're hit by a pitch, third one of the day. We don't make them pay for it. When they're giving you free base runners, you got to find a way to get those guys around. You can't just let that stuff die on the vine, but we did. Uh, top of five, we bring in Will Bednar, and we kind of figured that he would come in right around the fifth inning to give him three innings to work, and that was all part of ramping up this. And I, and I shared this earlier in the week. You know, the plan all along was is to kind of was to kind of targeting the LSU weekend. You know, he gets an inning, gets a couple innings, and gets three innings. Well, now he's ready to go, and so he comes in and immediately strikes out the side. Just absolutely ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. Eleven pitch inning. We get into that, and listen, that's top three in the order, too. I mean, it's not like he came in facing seven, eight, nine. He comes in, strikes out the side uh, with the top three in the order. And so they bring in Wagner to replace McGuire in the fifth, and that's the kid that gave up the bomb yesterday. He gets us one, two, three, and then we stick with Bednar, and he comes out and uh, has one guy ball, turns on the ball, really yanks one down the line. It really surprised me. And then he strikes out the last two guys. You know, so it's like Will is back. They bring in McDonald for McGowan. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, we did. We brought in McDonald for McGowan. And um, grounds out, ground out, ground out. Three ground outs uh, off of Cam Wagner there. And so, again, we haven't done much with him. This is a kid that was kind of you know, put into a bad situation yesterday and, and ended up giving up the big blow. But he comes in and bounces back. So I have some respect for the kid. Uh, so we get into – yeah, Cumbus comes in for Kyle McDonald. So Bednar hits a guy on an 0-2 count, and it's just a, bra- a fastball that got away from him. You know, he's absolutely dealing the guy so far behind it, and you plunk him. It was such a bad hit, they had to give him another helmet, and so I'm glad that he was okay there. Then you get a case swinging, and then uh, Logan Tanner gassed Easter. Easter went to still second, and Logan Tanner throws from his knees because a perfect ball just left of the bag at second. All Forsyth has to do is catch it and drop the glove. It was a perfect throw. And then we strike out Oberg swinging. And you begin to think, okay, if, the, if this is the well Bednar we were expected to get on Saturdays, then uh, we're going to be in really good shape. So bottom of seven, we come in again, get a leadoff hit, and then can't do anything with it. We end up getting three hits in the inning and don't score a single run. Those are the things that bother me the most, is how do you get a three-hit inning and you don't score? You know, what? usually what happens is you have some base running errors or something. So here's how it all broke down. Rowdy singles, Tanner flies out, and then Rowdy is out at second. Uh, they pick him off. And uh, could have reviewed it, but uh, they pick him off. So we run ourselves out of that. And, of course, right behind it, Cam James gets a single and Hancock gets a single. And then we get the wild pitch. And then, again, we can't get the big hit. So you get three hits in the inning and have nothing to show for it. That's got to get better. And, you know, like we can't accept in uh, victory what we wouldn't accept in defeat. I know you guys have heard that before. So <clears> – <throat> We, uh, we stick with Bednar again for another inning here, and uh, he gets a ground out, a fly out, and a ground out. And it's just, you know, it's a dominant performance by him. And we, as concerned as we were about weekend pitching on Thursday, we're as confident, if not more, today. You know, it's like it's, it's incredible how the pendulum has swung in the minds of Mississippi State fans. And they're like, oh, okay, oh, well – we were already winning, 
and now all of a sudden our starting rotation is beginning to kind of take hold here. Uh, so we go out there for the um, you know for the eighth dimension. We get one, two, three, and then they bring in fruit for house, and he shuts us down. We go one, two, three in the inning. We get to the nine, uh, the ninth inning there, and bring in Landon Sims. He strikes out the side, and none of those pitches look like that those guys would have ever caught up with them. And so, looking some numbers down here too as part of the sweep. And uh, it, today was kind of a boring game because we got the lead early, and they just simply weren't able to do anything. They get one run on four hits. We get four runs on eight hits. And again, a couple of innings there, we were given gifted base runners, and didn't make them pay. And you begin to kind of look at that in its totality. There were three innings there. A couple of innings they gave us base runners on hit-by-pitches, and another time we get three hits and don't, don't cash in there. So look at the numbers. Scotty DeBrule, uh, two for four. Rowdy Jordan, one for three. Cam, one for three. Luke, one for three. Tanner, again, Logan Tanner, it's, he was really struggling up until the last couple of days since they moved him down into order, and he responds uh, two for four. Josh Hatcher, one for four. Uh, and so looking at these pitching numbers here, Jackson Fristo gets the win, four innings pitch, three hits, one run, uh, a couple walks, three strikeouts. Again, not his best effort, but even even though that he was just good, he was still good. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't the dominant guy that we've seen, and that was crazy too is this is a guy that wasn't expected to throw on the weekends, and he started four games. We've won all four of them. He didn't factor in the decision the first two times, but he pitched well enough to win. Uh, so you got to like his future. I don't think he's part of the weekend rotation next weekend. Let me go ahead and let this sink in. I think he's probably one of the first guys out of the, out of the pen, and maybe he becomes a midweek starter. I don't know. But it's good now that you've got Sarantola and those guys kind of rounding in the form, you've got a fourth option there. So if somebody just doesn't have it one inning, you just go ahead and pull them and bring in Fristo. And so he gives you some options. And listen, Fristo is well ahead of schedule. We expected him to be really good. We didn't expect him to be the Sunday starter the first month of the season. We've done what we've had to do, and this guy has a bright future. Uh, Will Bednar goes four innings, allows just a one hit, uh, seven strikeouts. Absolutely ridiculous. Only had, uh, what, five guys put the ball in play, get a hit of, of, of two flyouts and two ground outs, 49 pitches. Ridiculous. And, of course, Landon Sims uh, strikes out the side. A, a little bit deeper in some counts at times, you know, 23 pitches. But – I like where this thing is going. When you when you start stacking those guys together on Sundays, who is going to beat you? I mean, honestly, and that's the kind of the recipe for Mississippi State success right now. Our pitching staff and our bullpen's good enough. We can keep the game close until we get into their bullpen. So if it turns into this war of attrition where somebody's just dealing, and let me go ahead and prepare you for this. Every weekend, there's going to be at least one arm that really shuts us down. Every weekend. And it's been that way this year already. Right? You go back and look, you know, uh, the, against Texas, Texas Tech, TCU. You know, we had some difficulties in that TCU game kind of get going. You know, they had the big 6-9 uh, right-hander that kind of slowed us down. Maybe he was left-hander. I don't remember. But it, it, that big guy that really kind of shut us down against TCU. Then you play Tulane, and you have Olthoff. It kind of shuts us down. You have uh, one guy from Kent State, Luke Albright, shuts us down. Then you have Justin Mize from – from uh, Eastern Michigan. So there's going to be one guy every weekend, at least. Now that we're in the SEC play, maybe one, two, two and a half. So a lot of people look at that and say, hey, well, what's wrong with our offense? 
Well, we could be a lot better with a timely hit, but, you know, we're hitting the baseball. We're putting the ball in play. We're not striking out a whole lot. And those are the things that I look at, is if we're putting the ball in play, eventually those balls are going to fall. When the the weather warms up a little bit, those balls are going to leave the yard. And so I look at that. I'd rather be the team that's putting the ball in play than being a team that's striking out. And you say, well, Steve, that's a pretty obvious Observation. Well, some of you guys out like that Ole Miss is absolute world beaters, and I think they've struck out twice as many times as we have. It's completely different hidden philosophies. But we win the week. We go 5-0. and oh, And uh, so we look at, you know, the rest of the, uh, the top 25 here. You know, Vanderbilt had a good weekend. Arkansas did lose, did lose a game at Louisiana Tech. I wonder where we heard that. They probably should have lost the series. But Arkansas goes on the road and plays Louisiana Tech and wins the series. Usually if you win your weekend, you don't drop in the polls. And so I suspect Arkansas will still be number one when we wake up tomorrow. I think that's probably the case. Now, will State jump Vanderbilt? Probably not. But I think we have solidified ourselves in that top five. I think we feel good about where we sit. And so, you know, it's a long year. Like I said before, uh, you know, polls this time of year don't mean a whole lot. And nor should they. Yeah, that's the thing. We, we, this is not a matter of opinion type deal. We're going to settle this on the field. That's why we have an NCAA baseball tournament. Sure, I'd love to be number one. But I really want to be number one at the end of the year. That's what I want. I want to be number one at the end of the year. I know that's what you guys want as well. Let's look around the league real quick. I'll actually have an article up later today. The day kind of got away from me. I'm, I'm trying to kind of spend some time with my family every once in a while too. You know, uh, I'm, I am a bit of a workaholic as you guys probably have noticed. But, um, you know, sometimes I just need a minute. And uh, I love what we do. You know, I love everything that we do. And I, I get excited about what all is going on, uh, you know, kind of within the conference and that sort of stuff. But uh, sometimes you just need a bit of a break. But uh, looking at looking at Sunday, uh, South Carolina gets swept by Texas. And so I think that's good for us. You know, I, I'm, I think we're going to beat South Carolina anyway. But we already have that win over Texas, so I think that helps the RPI. Uh, Tech, of course, takes the game from Arkansas. Uh, Jacksonville did take a game from Florida. Florida gets the Sunday win. And then Georgia beats Lipscomb 3-2. That's how Georgia has to win. Georgia has some pitching, but they, they are not much offensively. We don't get them this year. It would be kind of nice if we did. Tennessee takes care of UNC Greensboro. Uh, Kentucky uh, beats Georgia State 4-2. And listen, that's a good series win for Kentucky. I mean, it really is. Stetson takes one from Alabama. Arkansas Little Rock takes one from Auburn. Uh, UTSA and LSU absolutely wild ones this weekend. Uh, I am not scared of this LSU pitching staff. I know many of you are. They have a couple of good frontline starters in Hill and Marceau. The bullpen is shaky at best. But LSU will not quit. They absolutely will not quit. And so that's why I'm glad we are so strong in the bullpen. We're going to have to go out there and shut those guys down. They're absolutely not going to give it to us. Uh, Missouri takes a couple from Illinois State, I guess. Maybe they won the whole series. And then UL Monroe takes one from Ole Miss on Sunday. Uh, Ole Miss walks off UL Monroe on Saturday. I don't think that, um, you know, the, the conference may not have be nearly as dominant as some people kind of suggest at this point and I think when we get into SEC play people are going to say well we're beating up each other well I think there's a lot more parity in the league than some people realize 
And when you look at what Texas Tech is doing out there, I think they've won, what, 12, 13 in a row. You know, that, that's a win that really holds up for Mississippi State. But, you know, when you begin to kind of break the thing down here, you know, we get an SEC play, we're going to see this separation. But some of these non-conference losses you look at and you kind of scratch your head about them. I mean, I, mean, I, I do. You know, I guess uh, Oklahoma State took one from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt absolutely just destroyed them in a doubleheader. And so when you begin to kind of shake this thing down, let me look at the standings here and we'll get ready to move on for the top ten list. Let's look at the uh, the overall records for the team was in the conference because sometimes I think we lose a little context there. Uh, Vanderbilt 12-2, and two, Kentucky 11-2. And two. and I, I'm happy for Nick Mangione. I really am. And I love you, Nick, but I, I'm hoping we take three from you when you come here. Tennessee 14-3, and three, Georgia 13-3, and three, South Carolina now 11-3, Florida 13-4. and four. How about that? A lot of people picked them to win a national championship, the first team in the East, um, you know, of the notables to lose four games. Missouri 7-10. and 10. I'm really glad we get him them this year when we got to take care of business. That, I mean, that, that's a gift for us. The fact that we don't play Florida, Georgia, Tennessee – we do have Vandy, which, you know, we're probably going to go up there hoping to get one. Uh, maybe you get two. They, they, they got a couple of big-time front-line pitchers for sure. And they're a little bit better offensively than I expect them to be. But we got to take care of Mizzou when we get them. we got to take care of South Carolina when we get them. Uh, in the West, Arkansas 12-1 and overall. LSU 14-3. and Alabama 14-3. and Ole Miss, Mississippi State 13-3. and A&M 14-4. and And then Auburn 10-5. and I will be honest with you. I am a little disappointed that Auburn has not been better. I really thought I thought their pitching would be enough to keep them in games. They have really struggled in the bullpen, and they have not been quite as offensive as I think we expected. I was a little bit worried about taking that trip over there, and I guess I am a little bit. But um, you know, we need those guys to kind of run some interference for, from us and not get swept. That's the main thing we need. We need them to kind of pick off some wins against teams in the uh, in the SEC. And kind of looking ahead to next week, and uh, again, the very first week of SEC play, this is when it gets really serious. I mean, you know what I'm saying? This is when you hang on every pitch. This is when you you, know, you watch the SEC network all day just because of the fact that, uh, you know, basketball is kind of out of the way. And, uh, and we can kind of focus on everybody around the league because every game and every pitch matters. And uh, we are a baseball-friendly school. You know, we, we know exactly what's going on. And so we, we follow the league, and we're going to do a better job of that this year, I think, than we ever have just over on Gene's page because it is so important to all of us. But let's look at the weekend series and kind of see where we are. And as we get into Friday, I'll begin to preview these. Of course, that's a travel day for me. I'm headed down to LSU. I already booked my room and uh, already thinking about where I'm going to go eat. I, I, I've reached out to a couple friends already. I said, listen, I'm going to be in town. Let's go break some bread together. So here is your opening SEC weekend slate. Missouri is at Kentucky. That gives Kentucky a great chance to kind of get out of the gate there. Tennessee is at Georgia. A&M is at Florida. Mississippi State, of course, at LSU. Alabama is at Arkansas. Would love to see the Tide take a game or two from them. Auburn is at Ole Miss. Uh, Would love to see the same there. And then, of course, South Carolina is at Vanderbilt. And I don't think South Carolina is going to contend. But if we can get them to just take a game from Vanderbilt, I think that's a win from us, uh, for us. Vanderbilt still got to go to Georgia. Still got to go to uh, play Florida. You know, so we need some people along the way to pick off some wins there and not let them sweep. And so that's, that's the SEC weekend. 
kind of in a capsule there. We'll look ahead a little bit later. Let's talk top 10 list. Sponsored by Dr. Robert Yarber. You guys know I've talked about Doc before. Doc is a longtime friend, and uh, he and I used to share a dog. Told you that before. Great guy. I've known him a long time. This is a guy that loves Mississippi State. And I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever you can. I mean, that, that's, that's my attitude. I'll even pay a little bit more sometimes because I'd rather do business with Bulldogs and support you guys. And so if you're a person that suffers with ear, nose, and throat problems, and you may not even realize it, you just say, you know what, Steve, all I know is I keep the crud this time of year or I always have this sinus pain. There's always this pressure around my nasal passages. It could be a symptom of a bigger problem. So rather than kind of treat that yourself with some over-the-counter medication, go see Dr. Robert Yarborough, part of a great family of physicians, the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi, two locations to serve you, 910 Stark Road in Stark, Vegas, and then 618 Pegram Drive in Tupelo. One number to call. Write this down, 662-844-6513. And if you're in Starkville and you end up having to have a minor surgical procedure, that's going to happen at OCH. That's a county-owned hospital. She's going to be supporting our local community, uh, not to mention providing you guys with great quality care. Again, that's Dr. Robert Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. So since we have been together, I have gone back and I have listened to segments of every show since uh, March the 16th, 2020, up until October 16th of 2020. And you say, well, Steve, why'd you do that? Well, we started doing the top 10 list March 16th, and Roy started doing a Spotify list October 16th. So we wanted to do a full inventory. I did it. Roy was going to do it. And I want to go ahead and share this with you guys, too, because I know Roy is kind of part of the, the Boneyard family. Roy's a friend of mine. Uh, Roy, his dad's not doing good. And uh, he got some COVID-related issues. I don't want to get into a lot of details here, but uh, Roy, Samante, and his family could certainly use your prayer. If you know Roy, maybe just shoot a text message rather than call. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're in that kind of situation, you know, you, do, you feel obligated to answer. It's almost like an intrusive situation. You know. So let me just encourage you, shoot Roy a text message or shoot Roy a message on Facebook and just let him know you're thinking about him. So Roy was right. And it's rare that Rose Bowl was not right, but this time Roy was right. We have not done a Guns N' Roses top 10 list, and I, I feel ashamed. I really do. And I think part of it's because I've mentioned Guns N' Roses on a couple shows, and you know we've had some, uh, some top 10 lists that had Slash and some opening guitar riffs, and it all runs together. So I did a complete inventory of every top 10 list we've done, every single one. And we hadn't done quite as much music in the early days as we have as of late. But that's what moves the needle. You guys love music. So we're going to do Guns N' Roses today. And so you guys should know this too. We did U2 last week. That became the most listened to list, top 10 list of all time. It's you guys, you know, it's, a, it's crazy how you guys, your interest grows with this list. It's, it's ridiculous. So if you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. Here is the definitive Guns N' Roses list. And I have a bunch of honorable mentions because... I'm a huge Guns N' Roses guy. And I'm, I'm going to share this with you, too. It's incredible to think about the impact these guys had with only real, really four and a half studio albums. You had Appetite for Destruction, one of the greatest debut albums of all time. Then they come right back with GNR Lives, which is an acoustic EP. A little controversy about that album because of the song One in a Million. 
Then you then they release two albums at the same time. Use Your Illusions 1 and 2. And for those of you that weren't around in those days, Use Your Illusion 2 debuted at number 1. Use Your Illusion 1 debuted at number 2. Because the first single, You Could Be Mine, was off Use Your Illusion 2. And so, great band that didn't have a huge catalog. After the Use Your Illusion albums, they did a cover album called The Spaghetti Incident that I think is phenomenal. A lot of people don't talk about that album. I love it. Matter of fact, my favorite song on that album is um, is not Hair of the Dog, even though their version is incredible. It's a song called Black Leather. Love that track. A lot of cool songs. Duff McKagan sings some vocals on some of that stuff too. But uh, again, not a big catalog. And then, you know, Chinese Democracy comes out. And uh, I love Shackler's Revenge off that. That's some Buckethead was a guitar player. But it doesn't feel like true guns to me. You know what I'm saying? Without Slash and Duff and Axel, it's not real guns. And I really wish they could have worked it out where Izzy could have come back to the band. But he just didn't keep the chops up. And he just, you know, he wasn't in any, any condition. Steven Adler, of course, has been more famous for being on Celebrity Rehab and playing music the last several years. So... I went with the classic gun stuff. No top 10 stuff from Chinese democracy. And, and listen, my oldest kid's going to say, Dad, you're wrong. All right, so here we go. Here are the honorable mentions, and I could put about 20 of these. I didn't do any cover songs, so there's no knocking on heaven's door. There's no live and let die, even though I think their renditions of those are fabulous. But uh, it's out to get me. That's off Appetite for Destruction. Double Talking Jive is a great one. You Ain't the First. It's an underappreciated track from the Use Your Illusion albums. Estranged, Pretty Tied Up, Locomotive, and Mr. Brownstone. Some of you are going to hear that and you're going to, your heart's going to sink. Steve, how did Mr. Brownstone not make the top 10? You know, I could put the entire Appetite for Destruction album in there and in the top 10, and who could really argue? But I wanted to kind of move it around a little bit. So number 10 on my list, on my Guns N' Roses list, is You Could Be Mine. Again, that's off the Use Your Illusion albums and uh, was kind of the, uh, the theme song from a Terminator 2 movie. If you pull up that video, that's what it's about, T2. Number 9 off of GNR Lies EP album is Patience, which I think is one of the best love songs written in the era. It's kind of underappreciated as a classic. I absolutely love that song. Number 8, it's Yesterday's Got Nothing For Me. Love that one as well. Number seven, the first song that Guns N' Roses ever wrote together as a band. And a lot of people don't remember this. And uh, I used to read, you know, Hit Parader Magazine and uh, Circus and, and Cream Magazine, all that stuff. I, anything I could get my hands on. I was uh, one of the probably the first thousand subscribers to Guitar Magazine. But when Axl Rose had a band initially, it was called Hollywood Rose. And then Tracy Guns was a guy that joined, was going to join Hollywood Rose, and that's where Guns N' Roses came from, is Tracy Guns and Axl Rose. That was, it was the Guns N' Roses deal. And so it wasn't just something, it, you know, that somebody had some great idea. It was these two guys' stage names. Tracy Guns, Axl Rose. Tracy Guns, the original guitar player from Guns N' Roses. He been, now he's with the L.A. Guns, right? So that's how that all kind of came to be. But Don't Cry was one of the first songs they wrote and uh, there's a couple of versions of it and they're both great number six and this is one of those epic songs they put together it's civil war i don't need your civil war number five uh, a lot of people's favorite guns and roses song but and, but i'll be honest with you it's a little overplayed 
And uh, it, it sounds almost disrespectful to say that. But it's Sweet Child of Mine. And I know we all love it. The video is so great because those guys are so authentic. But Sweet Child of Mine, number five. Number four for me is November Rain. I love the video. I love the song. I love the orchestra. I love the slash guitar solo in this. I love the fact that Stephanie Seymour is in the video. I could I could stand for a lot more of that. Uh, number three, and this is a B-side song that kind of became a fan favorite. And I'll be honest with you, it is probably the song that I play the loudest in this catalog. And it's Night Train. I'm on the night train, ready to crash and burn. It's the third song on the first side of Appetite for Destruction. It goes, Welcome to the Jungle, It's So Easy, and then Night Train. Number two is Welcome to the Jungle. And I remember where I was the first time I heard this song. I was watching it on Headbangers Ball when they debuted the video. I went out and bought Appetite for Destruction the very next day. And that day I became the coolest kid in Columbia, Mississippi, because everybody had seen it. But it wasn't available anywhere in South Mississippi. And so I just happened to be in Jackson, Mississippi at the time, went to Bebop Record Shop, and I bought Appetite for Destruction. And it was incredible. And I remember going in there, and there was like a buzz in the record store. Everybody's like, dude, you're getting this Guns N' Roses thing? Yeah, it's great. We didn't know anything. We didn't know what we had. We just knew we'd seen this killer track on Headbangers Ball. We're thinking, I got to have this thing. And then you put it on, and you get through, like, the first side of it, and it's like you're almost scared to turn it over because you're like, there's no way the second side can be as good as the first. And then you do, and then you get into Rocket Queen and um, anything goes and things like that, and you begin to think, you know what, this is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. Even at, you know, 16 years old, it's like this thing is, you know, who are these other bands? Because these guys are the real McCoy. But number one, and I'm going to give credit to this one for my youngest son, Ian Robertson. He and I had a discussion about a year ago. We're just riding around, and we and listen, he, he is a very, 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 very wide range of music he listens to. There's sometimes I'll pass his room, and he's listening to Van Morrison, and the next thing I know, he's listening to, uh, to My Chemical Romance, or he'll listen to Elvis Presley. I mean, this, this is a kid that just kind of appreciates music and uh Likes to write like his dad. And so he decided to blue one day. He said, hey, Dad, what's the best rock and roll song of all time? That's a big question. And I wanted to give him a good answer. But I said, you know, let me ask you. Because I didn't want him to mimic me. I said, what do you think? He said, Daddy, the number one rock song of all time. He goes, and it's really not close. He said, it's Paradise City from Guns N' Roses. And I shed a tear right then and there. I thought, here it is. My, I feel like I have done something right as a parent that not only could he come close to getting it right, that he pulled a song out of, a, of, an, of an era that he wasn't even alive. It also made me feel good that, you know what, he's ridden around the car with me and heard some good songs, right? So Paradise City, number one, and uh, you can thank Ian Robertson for that because I think his vote made the difference. But that's your GNR list. And uh, I apologize for not doing one before, but now that we've done an inventory, I've kind of got an idea of you know what we have and what we hadn't done. And I listened to some of those shows, and I was like, I told you guys, hey, we'll do this list later, and we never did it. And um, we didn't do Guns. So now we have. So you guys go listen to that Spotify list today, because I want Guns and Roses to be number one. I want Guns to be number one. Retweet the tweet, share it on Facebook, whatever. Uh, I, I don't want you two to be number one. I want Guns and Roses to be number one. All right, so that's where we are with that. So let's move on from that.
Let's remind you, too, that Campus Bookmart has been a longtime sponsor of the show. Great people, great product, great prices. Stand to man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, everybody up there will treat you like family because in their minds, you are family. Simple as that. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. It is beginning to get warmer weather around here. You need, don't, listen, don't just dust off those old maroon t-shirts from a year ago. Get some fresh ones. Okay, keep the vintage ones, but get some new ones in the rotation. And you can do that at campusbookmart.net. Again, promo code BSR. Let's talk a little basketball. We didn't play well Friday. I mean, there's no excusing that. And listen, I know we all get caught up in our feelings. I am guilty of that sometimes, too. You know, because we all want to win so bad. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to have to go to work and deal with these people. and These people are going to talk bad about our programs. And, you know, I want to deal with all that. And, and listen, I, I get it. That's how I feel, too. Mississippi State gets the win, obviously, over Kentucky. Kind of got that monkey off our back. And then we laid an egg against Alabama. And listen... There have been a lot of games, and you look at it and you say, oh, this is embarrassing. And a lot of times it's not embarrassing. It's just that we're losing. But that one was kind of embarrassing. 85-48, to 48, especially on that stage when the entire SEC is watching, we weren't ready to play. And, uh, I re- you know, like you guys, I thought, you know what, maybe Ben Howland kind of has their number. You know, Ben, maybe we don't have the talent to beat them, but maybe Ben can scheme them up enough and make them play our game that we can make this thing competitive. Well, we didn't do that. So that theory got shot kind of like the Bridgestone Arena Nets did. Alabama burned that up, and Alabama goes on to win the SEC tournament. But because we did beat Kentucky, we have now found our way into the NIT. And to be fair, after I watched the Bill Deuce comments, I thought, you know what, these guys know something that we don't know, and they're not going to go. I didn't expect them to go, the NIT. I, I didn't. I knew we weren't getting to the NCAA tournament. And I was surprised that we got in the NIT. So we're going to play the University of St. Louis this coming Saturday. St. Louis Billikens. We're going to play them in Frisco, Texas at the uh, Comerica Center. We're a four seed in that part of the bracket. The Billikens, the one seed. Uh, Let's take a quick look at the schedule here. You know, they're 14 and six overall. They finished six and four in their conference. They were a great home team, 12 and one at home, one and four away from uh, St. Louis, and then one and one on a neutral floor. So when you begin to kind of put those things together, you know, hey, you know, two and five away from the home arena, maybe we got a shot here. Looking at their uh, their conference uh, stuff here, well, and then to go back even farther than that, they played in the Billiken Classic at their place. They played LSU to within four points. They won the first game. Uh, I guess that would get against Southern Illinois, 89-52. And then they're right there with LSU, 85-81. They blast Arkansas Pine Bluff. They beat Central Arkansas to death. They beat Indiana State. They they went and beat NC State in St. Louis, 80-69. Nothing cheap about that one. I thought NC State's great this year, but that's still a pretty good win there. They go on the road and lose at Minnesota. Still a competitive ball game, 90 to 82 they beat Kansas City. They lose to Dayton at home. And then they lose on the road at LaSalle. They take down St. Bonaventure. They beat Rhode Island. So you can see the league they're playing in here, right? They they win at Fordham 
They beat LaSalle. They lose at Dayton. Again, they lose to VCU. And then the Richmond Spiders, they get them 72-67. They beat UMass 78-57. They get into the A-10 conference tournament. They beat UMass again and lose to St. Bonnie in, in very convincing fashion, get beat 71-53. Uh, to 53. And so you begin to break this thing down, and as we get to the Friday, we'll, we'll, we'll take a closer look at these guys. But, you know, I don't see anything on here that makes me think, you know what, this is a game that we're certainly going to lose. I also look at this and say, you know what, this is a team that's played some Power 5 programs really, really tough and even beat some of them. So they're going to see this as an opportunity to beat an SEC school. We will get – uh, their best effort. Now, some would argue, too, you know, they were on the bubble to get into the NCAA tournament, and so maybe they'll pout a little bit, and the fact that they're playing, you know, away from the arena, maybe it gives us a good opportunity. And I think, too, if you look at Mississippi State, if you weren't expecting to play again, all of a sudden you get a phone call and say, hey, you know what, we're still playing, maybe you get a lift emotionally there. And if you look at the flip side of it, if you're hoping to get in the tournament and you make the NIT, uh, you might be a little bit down in the mouth about that probability. Uh, so kind of looking at some numbers here, uh, Javante Perkins, 17 points a game, and then Jordan Goodwin, uh, 14 and a half. So, again, we'll get into this a little bit later in the uh, in the week. But very, very happy for Ben Howland and uh, our Mississippi State men's basketball program, but specifically Abdul Adu. And, and if you, again, if you hadn't watched those comments, you go watch them. It will really warm your heart, and it really endears you to him. And sometimes lost in all of this, when we talk about wins and losses and we talk about, you know, poor offense, and we forget sometimes that these young men that are representing our university, they're doing the best they can. And it matters more to them than perhaps we realize. And it's easy to lose track of that when we have a challenging season. And so I won't be the least bit surprised to see Mississippi State come out and play well on Saturday. I might be totally surprised. But I, I suspect that we're going to have a new lease on life and say, you know what, we're still playing basketball. Let's go make the most of it. We have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Now, the women's side is much, much different. And uh, if you have kept up with uh, Charlie Cream at all, you know that Charlie Cream simply doesn't miss. I mean, he is a guy that really, really keeps up with, you know, what happens with this women thing. I think he probably has – a source on the committee there's just in maybe because he works for espn and they do the um, you know they do the selection show maybe perhaps he's got you know some information that other people people doesn't but he currently has mississippi state listed as the first team out and a lot of it has to do with the ohio valley conference um they had a team or missouri valley i don't remember which one it is but anyway they had a team that opted out of the tournament and so that would make them a two-bid league and I think that is wrong I don't think another team should benefit but I think you could argue too well we could have beaten them if, if you opt out of the conference tournament I think you should have to opt out of that NCAA tournament as well I think that is the only fair way to do it and so if that is the case if the committee sees it the way that you and I see it Mississippi State is in the last team in if they see it um, if they let Bradley into the field then that show that's Mississippi State's the first team out. And so we shouldn't be in this situation. I mean, it's as simple as that. We shouldn't be in this situation. We should have found a way to win some games that we, that we lost. And uh, getting beat by LSU in the, in the SEC tournament really put us in a bad situation. If you win that game, you're in. Now, some would say, well, you know, 
what's uh, you know that how big is that ice storm that kept us from going to Oxford? Well, Oxford uh, is the home of Ole Miss. They're not in the field either. Charlie Cream has the first four out listed as Mississippi State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, BYU. Last four in, Washington State, Wake Forest, DePaul, and Central Florida. So we'll see how that shakes loose tomorrow. We'll find out. The fact that we're sweating this thing out is a disappointment. I mean, it is. And there's no way to feel good about that. And so we'll see how things progress. But uh, as of now, ESPN's chief women's basketball bracketologist, Charlie Cream, not expecting Mississippi State to make the NCAA tournament. So hopefully he's wrong. But I can tell you, Charlie doesn't miss. I think two years in a row, he picked the field exactly perfect. And, you know, we all depend on sources. But he's told me, I've, I've spoke with him in person before at the Women's Final Four, and he says, well, if you just look at the rules that the selection committee has, it's actually pretty simple to put this thing together. Because you, t- you put all your automatic qualifiers in, and then you begin to do your at-large bids based on the criteria established by the selection committee, and you can piece this thing together. So he claims that he doesn't have this great source. He claims that he has just kind of figured out the methodology. But either way, he's been incredibly accurate. And if that's the case, that's bad news for Mississippi State women's basketball and Nikki McRae-Penson. And if, again, a lot of people expected us to, to potentially be the top four team in the SEC this year. And here we are kind of sweating this thing out. And, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed like the rest of you guys. And uh, need to have a good year next year. I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But um, – you know, I'm also gotten accustomed to seeing the Mississippi State women excel. And I remember, you know, those years that we struggled, I remember thinking, man, if we could just put a great class together and turn this thing around. It always seemed like if you could get a couple of star players, you could put a great team together. And then that's what we've done here at Mississippi State. So, And we're a very talented team now. And I don't know that our record's indicative of our talent or our coaching ability, but we got to figure it out. But it's one of those things when you leave it in somebody else's hands – you know, chances are you're going to be disappointed. That was one of the things I used to tell my kid all the time when, when he was uh, fighting Taekwondo. Don't, 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 leave, don't leave it up to the judges. You go out there and you settle your business on the mat. Don't leave it up to a matter of opinion. Don't make it a beauty contest. You go in there and you win. It's the same thing in basketball. You don't leave it up to the committee. You go take care of business. You don't put yourself in a bubble. You go win. You don't expect to get a vote. Hopefully you guys will be able to join us next year for all the action. And moving to Starkville is a good way to do that. Whether you're looking to buy an investment property just for, for a weekend getaway to come to the ball games, and a lot of people that have those condos just say, you know what, we come to Starkville just to get away even when there's not a game. We'd love for you to be a part of our community, full-time, part-time, whatever. Uh, but Portico is the way to go. Brand new residential development, easy to get to right there. Like when you come off of 82 on the 12, it's right there. You take the right at Pat Station Road, takes you right to Garrett Road. It's as simple as it's basically the first right. Once you come off of 82, it takes you right in there. You're going to be so glad you did. It's 1.1 miles from campus. makes it so easy to get in and out. Easy access to all the major highways in the area, 82, 12, 25. A house for every size family. Two bedroom, two bath, four bedroom, four bath. Uh, the first phase is nearly sold out. Still got a few spots left, but it's nearly sold out. So if you're looking to move, at least inquire. Okay, don't just, let me just tell you this. Don't just leave it up to your real estate agent. Give them a call and say, hey, listen, tell me a little more about Portico. 
because I've talked to some people. I've heard a lot about this com- this new community. It's really hot. A lot of people are saying some big things about it. So mention that to them. But more importantly, if you want to get information right from the bulldog mouth, call Brooks Bryan. You know Brooks, former Diamond Dog outfielder. We owe a debt of gratitude to Brooks for sending us to Omaha, part of two great teams. Give Brooks a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. You'll be glad you did. Make Starkville and make Portico your next big move. Come be a part of our community here in Stark Vegas. You'll be so glad you did. And listen, you get out there and you have that big grill. You know what I'm saying? You make those steaks on that out there at the Pavilion. Get out there and get on that walking trail. You can walk that walk with a smile knowing you're in Starkville. It's a great place to be. All right, let's talk a little bit about some other things that um, happened late last week. Super Bulldog weekend is going to happen. Of course, that is the the weekend of the State Ole Miss Baseball Series, so we expect some big numbers to be here. There will also be a spring game. Now, I was told some time ago, Mike Leach not really big in the spring games. But in the SEC, we're big in the spring games. And uh, we expect a big crowd, and uh, we expect you guys to come be a part of that. There's so many things that we didn't get to appreciate last year that are kind of coming back. And that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people brought up and said, you know what, what about Super Bulldog weekend? Now, we're not going to have all of the events that we normally have had. We will have baseball. We will have spring football. There will be some other things. But that's going to run the weekend of April 16th through the 18th going to be a lot of people in town and we need you to be here so make sure that you are preparing now it's going to be here before you know it spring practice gets underway this week there are not a lot of position battles right now that we look at and say i don't know what's going to happen here i think you got to sort some things out at safety i mean you know who your corners are going to be right you've got a pretty good idea how the defensive line is going to run but you've got some competition at those end spots. You've got some new names there. That's going to be something to watch. You feel really good about your outside backers. You need to see if Deshaun Page is ready to step up and be a force in the middle there. He'll get the benefit of spring practice. But defensively, you pretty much know who you are. And, again, you got those safety guys coming in like Jalen Green. That's really – I think my eyes are on the safety spots more so than anything else on defense this spring. On the offensive side of the football, you pretty much know who your offensive line is going to be. You kind of have an idea how that's going to shake out. You're Greg Allen, of course, uh, longtime contributor here at Mississippi State, pretty much lost his job last year to Cam Jones at right tackle. Got to settle some things at guard. You already got some names there. You know what you, who your tackles are going to be, and you could always slide Cam in there. And you've got you know other these new you know these new offensive linemen to come in. So. On offense, kind of watching those guard spots. You know where Cole Smith's going to be. You know who your tackles are going to be. Got to figure this guard thing out. And you had a bunch of guys play last year, and some some guys played pretty well when they were given an opportunity. You know who your quarterback is going to be. You feel pretty confident about who the wide receivers are going to be, but there's some newcomers coming in that uh, we expect to make an impact. You know who the running backs are going to be. You know Dylan Johnson, Jaquavius Marks, those are your guys. And so we'll kind of go from there. But, again, there's just a handful of battles you look at. Offensive guard and, of course, kind of filling out the depth chart at wide receiver. And then you've got safeties and, you know, a couple things at defensive end. But you've got some guys back. You've got some experience there. And so there's not a lot of unresolved questions with this group. 
and you've got a bunch of guys at safety that are kind of rounding back into shape and getting healthy again. Now the spring is going to be finding out what they can do. If they're ready to go, will they be ready for the fall? Those are the things that I look at and I have questions about. And so I think it's important to kind of run through all that stuff and, uh, and have a good idea when we get into spring practice, you know, who we're looking at, what we're asking about. And, uh, you know, Mike Leach is a guy, too, that has said, you know, that you make a lot of your gains in the strength and conditioning program this time of year. They finished up midnight maneuvers, and so now we get to see them on the field. And you guys will get a chance to see them on the field, too. And let, let's not forget, down the stretch last year, we played exceptionally well. We did, with a very limited roster. We're going to be much closer to full strength this year. We're not going to be at 85, but we're going to be somewhere around 78, 79 scholarship players. We're going to be ready to roll. We're going to fill out the roster with some walk-ons, and it's not like we're going to be depending on those guys to take snaps for us. We're going to get out and go play some football. But you'll get your first look at the 2021 Bulldogs Super Bulldog weekend. So go ahead and make plans to be here. Uh, it's an exciting time. And it's just like there's all these retrospectives about, you know, this time last year we canceled the SEC tournament, then the NBA shut down, and we all wondered what was happening. And so all of a sudden there was all this negativity. And now all of a sudden we're beginning to get some optimism that we're going to be able to pull some things together. So as you feel comfortable, let's get out and celebrate the return of some of the things that we love. Baseball is back. We've had some good crowds, not great crowds, and and I'm confident once SEC play starts, we're going to start seeing more of those six and 7,000-type crowds at Dirty Noble. But I think the way we're doing it was the right way to do it. Instead of just going as a free-for-all, which in looking in hindsight now, looking at how how, conservative some people have been, it might not have been so bad to do that. But you take this real measured approach – and you begin to kind of ramp this thing up slowly. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that have tickets that hadn't been to baseball games yet. And, again, let me encourage you, if you have tickets and you, and you hadn't been able to go to a ball game and you can't make it, please make sure your tickets get in the hands of other Bulldogs. And if you have any questions about the, how to transfer tickets, you can go to healthstate.com. They'll walk you through that process. And not to mention there's many experts over on jeanspage.com, people that are looking for tickets that would be more than happy to walk you through their process because they want to buy your tickets. It's a single-servant type deal. And, again, with you know, we need to restore home full advantage. Chris Lamona said this weekend there's this thing they talk about in the baseball locker room called the dude effect. Is it late in ball games, and we saw that on Saturday – our crowd's very knowledgeable. We, wouldn't, we know when to be loud. We know when to get involved. We know when to get people fired up. We don't win that ball game on Saturday without our crowd. It just doesn't happen that way. Because once the team got on a roll, the crowd got on a roll with them, and then we just kind of fueled them. And so be a part of that. Make plans to come be a part of that and kind of celebrate Mississippi State sports with us. And let's celebrate – the fact that we're beginning to kind of trend in the right direction. And listen, I, I talked to some of the Eastern Michigan guys, and when they came down here, they said, you know what, this is the most normal we felt in a long time. And so I think sometimes down here we kind of forget how blessed and, and protected that we are in many respects because of the fact that, um, you know, we've got some people here that, uh, you know, see life a little differently. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. But, you know, we haven't had the same restrictions that a lot of other people have had for the past year. 
And there was a time that we were all frustrated and we were stir crazy and getting cabin fever, but uh, we're kind of trending away from that and kind of trending more towards some normalcy. And listen, as long as the SEC protocols for COVID exist, and maybe they do the entire spring, I don't know, as long as they do, uh, your SEC baseball programs are going to adhere to that. They're not going to divert from what they've already been instructed to do. But the fact that we in Mississippi you know, can kind of load the stadium up uh, it is one of those things we've kind of got to look at too. And so we look forward to you guys being here. Of course, we want you to be safe. There's been a lot of you know, programs and protocols put in place to keep you safe when you get here. It's all cashless transactions now at the concession stands. Uh, Dirty Noble, it's one-way entrance, one-way out to get into the concession lines. So it's a little different, but it's for your protection. All of your uh, your workers are wearing masks and gloves. I mean, you know, there's, they're doing what they can to make this as safe for you as, as you can. So if you're on the fence about coming, I'd encourage you to think about it and kind of look at some of the measures that have been put in place to keep you healthy. All right, that's going to do it for today. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you to go to alphadogsthebook.com. You can order signed copies of Alpha Dogs, Flim Flam, and Stark Villains. You can find Stark Villains gear at starkvillains.com. I had a couple people share with me they wore their Stark Villains shirts on Sunday for, as part of their Sunday black uniform, Angel Camp. Thank you for doing so. Uh, you, I remembered your name. There was one other person that DM'd me after I retweeted your tweet and shared me they wore, they wore their shirt. So if you're looking for those gear, you can find it at starkvillains.com. Looking forward to being back with you guys. Uh, we have a ball game on Tuesday against Sanford. We'll recap that on Wednesday and kind of look ahead to the SEC weekend and Mississippi State uh, men's basketball appearance in the National Invitational Tournament. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.